And welcome once again, listeners, to a special episode of Semi-Automagic, Inc., brought to you, as always, by the Foundation for Dyslexic, Diabetic, Child Refugees with Chronic Italianism. I, for my sins, am your host, Casey. That's a heck of a radio announcer voice. Hey, buddy. That's, that's his NPR voice. I have an NPR voice, too. Proud. I use yeah. it when we get our Fun with Fungus podcasts. Yeah, my NPR voice is just my voice. It's true. It's true. By the way, Tony, the listeners, they've been a clambering for a second season of Fun with Fungus. The initial limited series was wildly successful. It's, it's, it's in the, the process. We're having trouble with both the FCC and the FDA right now. Ah. Uh, once that gets through, uh, the second season will come. So be prepared. So keep on, keep on hanging on, fun guys. That's what the fans call themselves. Uh, I didn't name them! All right, who's who all is here with me? Occasionally cheering, but usually jeering. Hi, I'm Jackie. Hi, Jackie. How many how many guinea pigs do you currently have in your hair? Zero now, but previously one. Those are both good Damn, numbers. Was he in there? <laughs> all right, who else? Who do we got? Uh, it's Anthony. Uh, back after one month of of radio silence. Yep. Because the fuckers. At the wow. FCC, did not want me on the radio, but I am back, and I'm oh. stronger than ever. I don't think the FCC actually regulates, like, internet podcasts. I mean, yeah. if they do, we should probably, like, submit to them or something. But uh, Never! It's the secret FCC. Oh, the God. one they don't want you to know about. The SFCC. That's a much more intimidating acronym. I think, I think... All of this has just been made up. Choose to know, Jackie! Jesus Christ, we have neighbors. <laughs> and who is that making baritoned commentary over there from a safe distance? That is one, uh, Dylan. Uh, I like to be a wizard sometimes, so I'm here. Yeah, sometimes. It's been a little while, and um, that won't be relevant in the future when we have many, many more podcasts yeah. and many more episodes of this one. So let's stop dwelling on that and get to getting. So, Let's get to, to gotten. Let's work. Uh, welcome to Smagic. You Let's guys. got to getting. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. podcast where we pretend to be wizards. And Let's get some kittens. And bounty hunters. I have so many kittens already, Dylan. <laughs> you need more, obviously. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> uh, come and get him and he's yours. Um, okay, so we like to pretend we're wizards and fairies and stuff. We're going to solve a mystery. It's good times. Dylan, for why are you gesturing at me? Gesturing at Jackie. Again, get up on the mic. We just went through this. Girl. God damn it. I dropped something. I had to pick it up. Fair. People want to hear your voice, Jackie. I I doubt that. So what happened last time on Semi-Automagic Inc.? Doubt is the heart of faith, Jackie. Last time on Semi-Automagic Inc., Oh god! I some... got wasted. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Rowan got dosed and uh, possibly opened the cleansed doors of perception, as Jim Morrison and Aldous Huxley before him uh, prophesied. Um, there was a giant zombified Doggenfuss, which was a real creepy slash gross time. It really was. And they broke into a high school in the dead of night. No, a middle school. A middle school. That's in the true. Dead of night. Which is even which is even creepier. And it really is. It really is because it's not only were they breaking into a place they ought not to have been, but the children themselves feel like they ought not to be there. Are they children? Are they grown-ups? Nobody knows. It's a place of indecision and mystery. And uh, what's up? Sounds like season two of Stranger Things. I still haven't seen that. It's on. It's, I, oh, I know. I know. We're finishing House. We're in the last couple seasons of House. We can't. We we can't. Oh, that's leave. not as important. Yeah. Once they get rid of. Once they get rid of like like they kill off Cutner and and Thirteen's dying. Like you're good. Just you don't have to watch it anymore. We we get we got to finish once 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 begun. A thing cannot be abandoned. Anyway. Um, yes, they broke into the middle school with Pierogi Dalai Lama and Wake Wagoner. Punchy, oh, punchy McHuge. McHuge. Yeah, old Punchy McHuge. Old P. McH. Um, they met once again with uh, Piper, the Huntress, 
who looked like she took a level in badass and gave them much less lip and a much harder time. Um, Solomon, to his wizardly credit, um, after Fiona and Punchy McHuge, after a surprisingly tender moment between the two of them, managed to discover the location of the, um, not the tempor, not the planar blade hub, the other thing, the ontomorphic, uh, field disruptor in the area. Which Dampener, was, uh, I believe. Dampener. Also, disruptor would be good, but yeah. that wouldn't match the diagram. It's uh, another Solomon, D word. It is. Solomon contained it with, can I just say, some, like, first-class wizarding. Like, just, you took a hallway full of broken glass, and you ground it up, and you turned it into a magic circle, and you did brief mental battle with uh, something terrible inside. And uh, then everybody held hands, and it was a good time. Sadly, the next day, January Oleander was found dead in her home. No, fuck you, Casey. Wow. I th- this happened at the end of the last episode, guys. No, like I'm not. Why do like I, I don't remember don't, that? Neither of us remember January Oleander dying. That absolutely so- happened. I was going to say, Did back it? me up here, Cannoneer. Yeah, no, that that totally happened. Okay. Because the, the, the whole thing was that we um, we sat ourselves outside Clackamas Middle School uh, to wait for January Oleander to show up, um, and then found out that she had passed away during the night. It is the following morning. Y'all are seated... In that same GD conference room in the Westfield Carter Hotel, you three and Punchy McHuge and Paroki Dalai Lama are seated on one side, uh, Salvador Hernandez, Orion Bailey on the other. Everybody's kind of just hanging out with their heads in their hands. Everybody looks like they're in real, real rough shape. Um, at one end of the long uh, mahogany table... <laughs> sits a television like you know okay retcon it's not sitting on the table it's you know those carts you had in school with the tvs on oh god yep yep uh one of those has been wheeled in and placed at the end of the table um solomon when you guys reconvened in the morning, I, I imagine all of you are are strung out. Nobody got any sleep. But when you reconvened, you handed over to Salvador the uh, videotape that you absconded with, uh, having found it in the drawer of the Clackamas Middle School's principal's desk. And you placed it in your special lead pocket. Yep. I would like to say that I screened this before I showed it to anybody else. Cool. Lead pocket Byron. Private eye. <laughs> all right. Um, you have all just viewed this videotape, which is a big part of the reason y'all are sitting there with your heads in your hands. Uh, the tape is paused, and Salvador Hernandez, as if unbelieving, uh, hits rewind, and it goes, Hey, Macarena! And (laughs) starts playing again. And what you see is closed-circuit television footage of the, um... For those who don't recognize that acronym, that's CCTV. Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, Not to be confused with must-see-TV. No, not to be confused. Sorry, you guys. I'm sorry about all the ums. I was looking for a thing. Okay, what you see is footage of the now-deceased and disgraced uh, football coach of Clackamas Middle School, one coach, Hendergast, meeting with uh, a, an unlikely trio in an alleyway. This trio would appear to consist of, and this is important, I need you guys to picture these people as stereotypically, as archetypically as you possibly can in your minds. A pimp. A pimp a drug dealer, oh. and a guy who stands out back a liquor store or possibly a gain stop and shills homemade bathtub booze to 10th graders. Now, do we recognize the guy who looks like a drug dealer as one of the brothers, Dave? Um, hmm. 
you know what? Uh, I'm going to say, I don't think I'm supposed to tap your, uh, your aspect in positive ways for you, oh, <laughs> actually. No. But, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead, Solomon. I'm going to say that due to your, uh, Wizard of the White Council, Warden, rather, of the White Council aspect, um, you do, in fact, recognize the drug dealer as being one of the brothers, Dave. And it is, sorry, ring up, let me ring up my, uh, my Dave document here. <laughs> You're Dave Cumond. Yeah, it is. There are, if the listener will recall, uh, at least seven brothers, Dave. Yep. Yeah, there's Sketchy Dave, Risky Dave, Stand Up Dave, Nameless Dave, Magic Dave, Traitorous Dave, and Non-Magic Dave. There are also rumors, as yet unsubstantiated, of a forgotten Dave. Oh no! In any event, you recognize the man on the screen as Stand Up Dave, who, contrary, contrary to his name, contrary to his name, honestly, actually a world-class like the michael jordan of being a son of a bitch well and also he's slouching right so he is he really is uh ironically enough he earned his name because if someone needs help he will stand up and leave <laughs> wow wow yeah. real stand-up real guy that dave exactly yeah it's right right what it says on the tin you're just assuming wrong anyway <laughs> um so this 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 meeting of the minds uh goes down and coach hendergast on screen is acting in what i think could fairly be called uh an erratic fashion not an erotic fashion those are different words they but are not all of us not all of us knew that when we were in fifth grade and reading the ocarina of time strategy guide and they described the uh staffless knights as moving in an erratic fashion oh, some no. of us got real confused some of us got real confused um, oh. so Coach that, Hendricks, that, that kids is why you should never go to a private Christian school. Wow. Don't do it. Oh, that's the reason, really. Or, or that's, that's the reason. Everything. That's the reason. Or that's the reason you shouldn't be working on your vocabulary as a ten-year-old because then you'll learn words that you don't quite understand and then make dumb mistakes like that. Fair enough. Also okay. I'll see. Dylan's full of good points and good beard. Hmm. So. Uh, Coach Hendergast is acting very erratically. He's moving in a very, uh, I, I think loose and groovy is a pretty good way to describe it. He's got some spring in his step. And of course, there is no sound being CCTV, but he is clearly having a grand old tr- time treating with these uh, representatives of Landportlandia's elite underground. Um, everybody seems to be having a great time. These these three ne'er-do-wells thought they were meeting a square. Turns out they're meeting a real cool cat. Uh, conversation proceeds. Monies are exchanged. Uh, the pimp pulls out a notepad and begins to write down, over the course of several pages, like a big old list, the, uh, the drug dealer begins to pull out just huge uh, cubes of weed. <laughs> You know, weed cubes. Yeah, you know, and like they're they're yeah. grown like the the cube watermelons, right? Exact, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, weed cubes and heroin pretzels and all kinds of stuff, and just just loading it. He brought a duffel bag with him, and he's he's just loading it into the duffel bag that Coach Hendergast brought with him. Actually, why he couldn't just throw the duffel bag in with the purchase? I mean, that's just store policy. Bring your own container. Byoc. Um, and, uh, stand up Dave for his part is, uh, tallying in his head, uh, what you guys can tell with your superior magical senses. He's clearly doing the math of how many bathtubs will he require to make this much bathtub gin and how many pine air fresheners will he have to soak in them? Ugh. Yeah. That's a shot at gin. Anyway, <laughs> um, are a bastard. Yep. So he concludes his business with this unholy trinity who then stalk off into the night whence they came. And uh, Coach Hendergast turns on his heel with surprising grace and begins to exit the alleyway. Just before he steps out of frame, however, he pauses as if suddenly aware he's being watched, turns to the camera, winks, and 
this is what caught a little bit of this is what took a little bit of time to catch. Salvador Hernandez pauses and moves through frame by frame and at the the wink zenith, which is uh my new aqua cover band. Um you can see just through the space of a single frame the image of Coach Hendergast blurring and standing there clearly bold as brass is Piper the Huntress. Oh good. <clears throat> so the ta- an innocent man is dead because some eldritch monster from the before times decided it was going to mess up an entire city. Uh, Dylan, the, the before times are actually referred to as nest non-Euclidean space-time, just for your, for your edification. Great. Awesome. So you all are sitting around... This this was uh, a piece of information that made a lot of other pieces suddenly fall into place. And like, oh, that's what that was. Sure, yeah. And everybody's kind of had their bell rung. Um, Salvador turns the television off, looks up, and he just drags both of his hands down the length of his face. And he, and he scrumbles his beard some. Is the scrumbling coming through? Is it picking up on the mic? A little bit. Yeah, Yeah, it's good scrumbling. Right. He he eyes you all and says, Well, base sucks. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, that's one, one word for it. He slams his fist down on the mahogany table and, uh, a small flash of light emits from within his clenched fist. And he looks up, a new fire in his eyes. How does this keep happening? How are we always at least one step behind? We represent the largest magical organization in the Pacific Northwest. How does whoever this is, this throne of mists, how do they keep outfoxing us at every turn? Have you considered the possibility that you have a mole in your organization? <sighs> he turns to uh, Orion. Orion uh, looks at him and, and leans forward and says, uh, let's just say that we have very stringent measures in place. I'm not going to say mind filters, but... Mind filters? Mind filters. We we know what's going on with our people. It's entirely voluntary. We don't invade anyone's privacy, but everyone submits to a... We don't, like, read their minds, but we get a general impression of what they're feeling and what they're thinking and what their lives are like. Again, completely voluntary. And if anyone were doing anything like that, it, it physically would not be able to not show up on that. And, you know, that whole law about not messing with people's minds well it turns out safety is more important so um you know patriot act whatnot it's fine warden byron i will again direct you to the earlier sentence where i said it was completely voluntary no one is forced to do it yeah neither was yeah. the patriot act wow. quote unquote commentary <laughs> i mean it's voluntary as long as people you know want to keep their jobs Volunteer? So, like, who's to say that what happens if someone doesn't want to volunteer for it? Okay, you know what? Maybe there's a mole. Orion, could you begin looking for a mole, please? I'd even settle for a vole. Any kind of subterranean, furry, velvety mammal. He's he's just real upset. Um, Orion looks at you guys and he says... You know, that's that's fair. You guys have a point. It is entirely voluntary, and maybe we missed something. Maybe somebody who didn't volunteer. And there are people who didn't volunteer, by the way, and they are not penalized in any way. But maybe somebody who didn't volunteer has something going on. I'll 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 arrange something. I'll see what I can find out. I can't imagine there would be a mole inside this operation. This entire operation is designed to save lives, to keep Landportlandia. What's that? I can imagine it. Well, then you know what? 
And he looks at you like really earnestly. Orion is this, I don't know that defensive is exactly the word, but he's always, he's the manager who like always eager to dance. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he looks at you really earnestly and he says, well, then you know what? Maybe it's a good thing you guys are here. And that is when it begins to really sink into you just how serious this situation is and just how outmatched this organization feels. Right. Well, I'm not really sure how the Throne of Mists keeps getting ahead of us. But I think I've got a solution. Please, please, anything. And at this moment, actually, uh, Desmond Dionwood, the, the young gentleman that you cats met in the lab with the go there circle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Solomon, Solomon actually spoke with him a bit after that. He, he wheels in, he, not he wheels in, he comes in to wheel out the, um, the, what you call it, the television. He, he puts a special, a special, like, uh, towel over it that's been embroidered <laughs> with all sorts of sigilia and sure. stuff. Yeah. It's a very important television. It is. It's a very important. It's the only one they've managed to keep working. And this has imparted (laughs) it with no small amount of status and legend. Sure. All right. So so he he begins to wheel it out. And uh, Salvador says, actually, Dysmond, wait just a moment, if you would. Uh, Warden Byron believes he has an idea. And perhaps some of your arcane science could be of aid to him. And, uh, Desmond Yonwood turns to you guys and, uh, amazingly, with the exact same voice he used last time, I'm sure, says, Oh, gosh, Galley, I'd love to be of any help I possibly could. Super Canadian. Warden Byron, what, uh, what you got going with this there throne of mists? Um, Solomon takes out, uh, uh, or rather, he, he flips through a notebook that's sitting in front of him. And he opens up to a, a, a two-page diagram of an array um, that's got uh, seven different points. Uh, it, it has it. The the array contains a seven-pointed star, and at each of those uh, at each of those points, each of the vertices of the star, there is a um, a specific label. And Solomon says. All right, so uh, my areas of specialty are alchemy and thaumaturgy. Sure. And as far as we can figure out, the uh, the workings of the Throne of Mist are using anchor points in our world to bring its world, it fairy, whatever it is. Over here. Right. Right. The anthropomorphic field disruptors and the, and the, and the, the mem, the planar membrane blade herbs. That's, that's the ones. I think that's more of a Wisconsin accent than a Canadian accent. It's really more of a Coach Z accent than anything, but regardless. Coach Z. So, um, I've been working on something that might get us somewhere and, it's not going to be easy to put together. The list of yeah. ingredients is pretty simple right up to the last two. Um, you know, the morning dew uh, collected from a dense fog um, to represent taste um, gives us the link to the mists. It's something, right? Right, right. All the, all the, uh, all the physical tactile components. Sure. Um, for sight, dawn's first light captured in a quartz prism. Dawn being a time of cleansing, and if there is one thing that we want to do right now, it's cleanse, right? Sure. Um, for sound, a chunk of egg crepe foam to dampen uh, sound as fog does. Uh, for scent, um, a chemical compound called geosmin. Which is responsible for the smell of petrichor after, after rainfall. For touch, some sort of clay-based soil from the banks of the river that runs through the town. That gives us a connection to the, the city and the areas around it. For the mind, something that lets us see the throne of mists. Uh, and then. <laughs> I got something. At this point, 
Solomon takes the small vial out of his pocket that he collected from uh, Rowan's uh, uh, foray into being a junkie. And he looks over at Rowan and says, I assume you have a contact. Uh, the, The instant you pull that out, all three men on the other side of the table and Punchy McHuge and Pierogi Dalai Lama instantly just stiffen in their seats and uh, you hear Wake say, oh, that's a controlled substance. It sure is. Well, Solomon. good thing what? I am not under your jurisdiction, so what are you going to do about it? Well, you are on their property. Yeah, but I don't have, I don't have it in my hand. Solomon has it. Okay, but you just you just copped to having it and a supplier, though. Yeah, but I'm not under your authority, so you can kick me out. I'll get my supplier. I'll still get it. Or they could arrest you. Arrest me for what? I'm not under their jurisdiction. All right, uh, Thony, I'm gonna I'm gonna compel an aspect on you here. Okay, I've been re- I've been reading up on how to do that. It turns out I can do that. Yeah, All right, for the first I'm time gonna, in twenty episodes, it's it is not. I have done it at least once. once. Anyway, so <laughs> I am going to tap. Uh, my freedom isn't free because you feel like these Jack Boothead thugs are trying to uh, are, are basically trying to tell you how to how to run your show. Yep, exactly. So I will give you a fate point. If you, uh, hmm. I should have thought this through. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I was real excited. I'm like, I'm going to do the thing. And then I didn't think of what the thing was, but only the doing of it. Um, I'm a creature of the now. Uh, You were so concerned with if you could, you didn't worry about if you should. My reach exceeded my grasp, you guys. Um, Okay. I'll give you a fate point for my freedom isn't free. If, uh, if Rowan submits and allows this small measure of control to be exerted over him, which is not only a momentary surrender of his individual agency, but also sets a precedent. Okay. As always, as always, because this is almost the first time we've done this. You are free to take the fate point, or you are free to ignore it and do what you wanted to do in the first place, which is raise an unholy stink and argue with the people across the table from you. It is your call. I'll use the, I'll get the fate point. Cool. All right. One fate point. Well done. Ba-ting. And, uh, Solomon says, uh, Mr., um, I'm not supposed to call you that, uh, Rowan, um, I assume that you would be willing to put us in contact with your supplier for this unbelievably illegal substance. I will, with the caveat that um, you do not arrest him at a later date. We reserve the right to keep tabs on him. Deal? Deal, but if I lose my... my, uh, If I lose my supply, I'm going to be very, very grouchy. And when I'm very grouchy, I tend to try to shoot tables. So when when did you lose your supply exactly? No, I'm saying if I lose my supply. No, he's because you're all the time grumpy. That was a joke. <laughs> That's right. funny. Very good. Uh, give us give us your your details, and we'll we'll look into that uh, at a later time when people aren't dying. More to the point, do you think you could supply Warden Byron over there, whom we have interrupted? Uh, with enough three eye to suit his purposes, do you have enough reserve for him? Yes. Great. You just have a gallon worth of three eye, just sitting at home. You just keeping it in a milk jug? What? No, no, no. I have I have a few vials. Like I didn't expect you to need this much. Oh yeah, no. It's it's going to be the uh, liquid the the liquid base for this whole thing. So. Holy shit! <laughs> the liquid base. Okay. Yeah. So how much? Are, oh, how much? Gosh. Do you need, Say again. How much do you need then? A gallon. All right. Um. Yeah, I'll I'll try to get some. Great. See what we can do. Have to call on a few favors, but it'll happen. Now, 
That's the easy part. Wait, wait. So, so telling my dealer I need, I need like a year's worth of, of 3i is the easy part? Yeah. Cause the hard part is the last piece. We need to get our hands on one of the blade hubs, and there's only one left. Well, that's great news. Well, we know who the last guy is, so that's, yep. That's and what we've been doing follow him. And we have a pattern. The uh, ontomorphic field dampeners have been on site somewhere, right? They are anchored in a position. Uh, at the Preston Estate, it was in Teddy's garage. At Clackamas Middle School, it was in the trophy case. Joel Heck's field dampener is going to be somewhere at his quarry. If the, uh, the diagram is to be believed. The blade hub is going to be somewhere on Joel Heck's person. Uh, um, what's she called? Uh, Perua Dalma. I couldn't remember her real name for a second because I hate <laughs> you guys. Um, oh, I would just like to say in my in my list of characters under uh, Captain Scissorface, the only description is I hate my friends sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Macy, I'm sorry. I am sorry, but you set this precedent, however many years ago it was, when my simple character named Elden was changed to. El Chupacabra Deluxe. I needed a way to remember that ridiculous name. Anyway, um, also Captain Scissorface's voice prompt is, No, baby puppy, it is you who are in trouble. Bonus points to everyone who gets that reference. Anyway, um, what the hell was I saying? Uh, yeah, Perot Dalma. <laughs> she leans forward and she says, <clears throat> Actually, uh, Warden Byron. Yep. Uh, not to contradict you, because you're a good deal more ahead on this thing than we have been for quite some time. But speaking as an arcano geographist, uh, it's looking like you're right on the first half. The uh, ontomorphic field dampeners, those are definitely objects. Those are totems or tokens. That, But it looks like the, the uh, planar membrane blade hubs, it looks like those are locations. And she... Um, she pulls out uh, her her little whippy chain that you saw mm-hmm. her uh, wail on Apocro lips now with, and she she does a little a little a little wiggly waggle uh, up in the air, and it makes a, a lazy circle, and the the diagram appears in like this loose green watery light, and she points and says, "You see, the the ontomorphic uh, field dampeners they are found right here." And she points to uh, the three locations that you know so well, the Preston Estate, Clackamas Middle School, and the Hearthstone Quarry. Mm-hmm. And if this diagram is accurate, the planar blade hubs should be these interstitial points. And she uh, points to the three uh, corners of the inverted triangle that lie between those three points. Huh. So where are those... We've investigated them, and honestly, if they're special places because they're special places, like they're like this one is just out in the woods. We don't know why. And uh, she points to one. This one, it's uh, a couple miles away from uh, a country club. It looks like, and this other one looks like it's near an abandoned uh, factory of some kind. So if there, if there's some like mortal significance to the locations. We haven't been able to suss it out. They do inter- intersect with the ley lines though. Wait, no mortal significance. Could these things be in fairy? Uh, she, she sits bolt upright and looks at wake and wake just does this kind of motion. <laughs> and she says, uh, we had not considered that possibility. I don't know much about the geography of fairy because most of it's imaginary. Well, yeah. But, hey, uh, hey, hey. Hey, that's my home you're talking about. Exactly. Oh, I, I love you both. And this is where, you know what? I'm, I'm tossing fate points all around. Both, both of you get points for tapping your aspects there. The, uh, tap that aspect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that took long enough. 
you know what? Let's. I, I want to get this fate point economy going because I, I feel like it's important. So you no. know what, guys? Just start. No. Go ahead. You're not going to say, Casey. Say what? You know what? We're oh, in a oh. fate point economy. There we go. Had to be done. Um, so you know what, guys? Start start tapping that left and right. Just toss them out there. I'll let you have them, and I love it. It makes me happy, and it drives your characters, and it drives the story forward. Anyway, okay, so both of you get another one. And uh, Perot Adama looks over and says, Whoa, 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 you guys. I meant no disrespect. I meant no, I apologize. I apologize. I know that's that's your that's your homeland. That's your people. What I'm saying is it doesn't subscribe to the typical laws of time and space. And neither, neither does, does your, your face. <laughs> wow. My face, Mom. My mom's face is just real sad right now, you guys. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so maybe... I planned that. What? Perfect. Okay. That. Well, you know what? Actually... Happened. Uh, more tapping is happening now. Uh, Paroiga Dalai Lama, her, she, lady, is gonna lean over and she is going to, uh, tap uninvited guest on, uh, P.F. Chang and say, hey, well, if you're, so, if you're so familiar with the layout of fairy, do you think you could help me suss out what site, what significance these sites might hold? And again, you can either, Jackie, you can take the point and accept the compel. Or you can pay a point and decline the compel. Yeah, I'll do it. Cool. There's a small chiching sound as as Fiona's fate point bank goes up one. Cool. All right. After this, we'll uh, we'll we'll figure something out in my geography lab. Sorry, wow. Warren Byer. I I didn't. What's that, Tony? I said, wow, what a nerd. Yeah, she is. She's a super duper nerd. What are you going to do about it? Okay. Paradactyl Dalai Lama. So I'm sorry, Warden Byron. I, I really didn't mean to derail this whole thing. Go ahead. No, that's, uh, that's kind of the end of, of what I had is just, you know, we, we collect these things. We build the array. We collect these things ideally the day that we build the array because otherwise the ingredients aren't fresh and well, that ends up poorly, but, um, we collect Desmond these things. Yonwood has uh-huh. been enraptured the whole time. And he's been following you along like you're the smartest guy he's ever met in his life. And he's like, oh gosh, yeah, the ingredients have to be fresh. Otherwise, the urine ain't gonna last. So we, we put this whole thing together. We bring it to wherever this blade hub is. We take the blade hub off of whoever's holding it or whatever's holding it, I guess. We slam it down, we close the circle, and then we build it, and we see what happens. And hopefully it doesn't go, uh, you know, belly up on us. That's my working theory right now. You're a genius. So it sounds like you're trying to build, like, basically a stable potion. But even with the blade herb, it looks like you've only got seven ingredients. You got the morning dew. You got the dance first light. You got the egg crate foam, the petricure, the clay, the tree eye, and the blade hub. That's only seven. Don't we need eight for a proper potion? What are we missing? No. There's mind and spirit in there. Right. The third eye, the soul. Or the third eye is the mind, the blade hub is the soul, and then the five senses. All right, I'm sorry. I thought it was eight parts to a potion. I guess I could be wrong. To the Dresden Wiki. So word from the Wiki is that there are eight ingredients, and that the last one is the um, the the liquid base, which I was counting as the three eye. And there's some confusion as to whether that works. So right. it's up I it's up am, to you, old CW. Well, I am inclined to say that the three eye cannot function as both the base and the mind, or yeah, the mind component. Um, but if you're willing to burn a fate point, I uh, I reckon I can make that happen. All right, cool. Uh, in your favor is the fact that a heptagonal array is super bitchin' and makes me really happy. So well done there. Cool. 
Cool. So Warden Byron, the three eye aside, and he, he looks like warily at Rowan, says, how many of these ingredients do you just have on hand and ready? Well, the, the five for taste, sight, sound, smell, and touch are all pretty easy to, to gather, right? Uh, the, the, the morning dew, it's, it's always gonna be foggy. We just set out a distiller, right? Uh, we just gotta do the do. We just gotta put out a beaker. Um, dawn's first light, again, <laughs> we get a magnifying glass, set it up where the sun's gonna rise. Not a big deal. Um, I just picture literally just just a beaker just labeled fog. <laughs> uh, the egg crate foam. I mean, there's there's a supermarket around here somewhere that'll that'll give us some egg crate foam. Oh well, I'm even sure. then, Solomon. I mean, we've we've got a we've got a fully stocked kitchen here. I imagine we can speak to some of our kitchen witches and get you a piece of that. Well, egg there we go. Is it for eggs? Like that's two different things. Like it's a packing material. It's symbolic, Thony. Well, the the whole point is no, that it's it it is used in shipping a lot of um a, a lot of groceries and and things like that because if you bruise a bunch of bananas, nobody wants to buy them, right? Right. Yeah. It's it's used it's in freight a lot, and that's going to show up somewhere that moves a lot of product, which again a supermarket does. So, um. Now, Geosman is going to be the fun one to find. Um, theoretically, after a rain, we should be able to catch it in the soil that we're collecting for the thing. But that's contingent on rain. So, you know. We live wait, in wait a minute. Wait a minute. Byron. Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, she, she's right. We do live in fair Oregon. But second of all, do you know what? I think I remember hearing about uh, some geosmen when I was speaking to that delightful fellow who runs the Museum of Weird History. What was his name? Oh, uh, that was good. Xavier Tangle. That was Xavier Tangleforth, sir. Yes, exactly, Xavier. I think he was having uh, something of a display on rare minerals with mysterious origins and purposes, and he's been uh, very happy to cooperate with us in the past. I imagine he might have some high-quality geosmen on hand. Great, awesome. You you said you, you you could speak to him about that, uh, Rowan. Yeah, we have a we have a repertoire. Wait, repartee. I I believe you two had just about anything, honestly. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. The, the, the shipping is real. Anyway, <laughs> um. Oh, by the way, I can call you Ward. I can call fuck. you. <laughs> What's that, Jackie? Meta as fuck. There we go. That's me. I'm so meta, even this acronym. Anyway, uh-huh. I suppose I can call you uh, Deputy Walden Rowan now. I mean, you no. could. You probably shouldn't. Yeah. No. Do it. No. Do it. Hey, nope. hey Tony. Hey, Tony. Tony, nope. do you want to nope. earn another? Do you want to nope. earn another fate point? No. Does that deputy badge come with a ball and chain? <laughs> I'm a metaphorical one. Yeah. Yeah, see, no, no. Okay, alright, well, that's I gonna cost you a fate point, point. What? Okay, fair enough. Then, then, then yeah, that's gonna cost you a fate point. Fine. <laughs> well played. Alright, um, so yes, if you could, uh, get in contact with your good, good buddy, uh, mysterious friendship nature, and see if he's got some geosmen on hand, that would be very, very good. And also, uh, your contact with the three. Uh, you've got quite a laundry list of mysterious and bafflingly illegal items building up, yeah, Deputy well, Rowan. I am. Nope, nope. Say that again. Damn it. I'll put you in the face. I thought I could slip it under your radar. I was wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a bounty hunter, so, like, fair enough. Rowan is not known for the wholesomeness of his, his, uh, close personal contacts. I don't care what you say, but Johnny Vampire is an upstanding citizen. Johnny Vampire! He's really not. He's the most upstanding citizen I know. I mean, uh, that's that's no indication of whether or not he's an upstanding citizen. Solomon. What's up? Your uh, your Nokia begins to ring in your pocket. (laughs) Great. 
you 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 pull it out unless you want to contradict me at any point but nope. you pull it out and uh it's an unknown number do you answer it of course hello this is mrs vampire yes mrs I heard vampire you were smack. i heard you were cracking some smack about my perfect golden angel i would this never mrs vampire why would you he's i heard angel. it he's mrs. vampire i heard it all he said is that fiona hello fiona Hello. Mrs. Vampire says hello, Fiona. Vile things. Vile. I cannot in good faith repeat them in the presence of a lady. My boy is a delicious mother's angel. Why would you say these things? You probably shouldn't describe your own child as delicious. That sounds all sorts of... That's That implies some things about your relationship. I'm sick of your double talk. We have rights. Uh, you, you... I mean... Theoretically speaking, I guess. Stop being nice to my boy warden, Byron. Uh, I guarantee nothing, Mrs. Mrs. Vampire. Alright, is Rowan dead? Let me talk to Rowan. Yes, I'm here. I have a limited number of minutes on this thing. This is is 2016, like, why don't you have an unlimited plan? Because they're expensive. (laughs) And these are the most bars you've ever gotten on this thing. <laughs> yeah. Rowan, I need you to keep that boy in check. He's being so mean to my Johnny. And in I background, you just hear Johnny Vampire. I completely agree, Mrs. Mrs. Vampire. It was totally out of line. If he says anything bad about Johnny again, I will make sure to stop him. As an aside okay. to uh, to Salvador, I just go, is it bad form to hex my own phone? I mean, it's going to have to come out of your own pocket. I don't think you could file an expense report for that. Uh, you know what? Fine. And I hex the phone. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> he, he he watches and <clears throat> is the most, the most gleeful hexus spell that has ever left a wizard's fingertips. <laughs> it shoots across into the uh, into the Nokia brick and uh, Thony, all of the ringtones on board at once, including the sound that plays when you win Snake. Uh, play at the same time in Rowan's ear. What the fuck? Dude, I was talking to her. Uh-huh. Now you're not. Yeah. I can, I can Orion Bailey. Orion Bailey has just been rubbing his temples in slow circles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a lead on most of the things Warden Byron is going to need. Good God. Uh, uh, what about Clay? Uh, again. Well, the banks of the river. Okay, cool. We've got that. Yep. All right. So if we can't bring a blade hub to you because it's a place, thanks very much, Peroid Dalma. And she just does this kind of, what? I just, I, I, I just do the geography. <laughs> then I imagine we'll have to build this thing at one of the blade hubs. Is that, is that what I'm gathering here? Yep. Okay. Alright, um, Warden Dalma, yeah. Well, when you're, when you're doing your research with, with Miss, uh, with Miss Quirk there, could you, could you possibly, uh, ascertain which of these locations would be, would be best suited thaumaturgically and legally speaking? Uh, to uh, establish and construct an elaborate and incredibly dangerous, by the sound of it, and also thoroughly illegal uh, magical array. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. I'll I'll uh, I'll see where where the where the fuzz don't like to go. Listen, the array itself isn't illegal. It's just a collection of objects and chalk drawings. It's I mean the third eye. Don't worry about the third eye. It's fine. One of which. Just having knowledge of is a misdemeanor. Uh, well, look, that's not. I don't <laughs> have a good defense. <laughs> but look, <laughs> we are dealing with quite possibly the greatest threat to the mortal world in decades, centuries. Who knows? So I'm going to take a misdemeanor. I'm going to take a fine. In order to deal with this stupid thing, that's... You know what, Warden Warden Byron? I don't disagree with you. I just seem to be the only one who's thinking about the paperwork that's going to happen if we don't all die. You're right. You are the only one thinking about paperwork right now. Good job. You get a gold star. He just sits back very satisfied with himself. (laughs) (laughs) 
the record now shows. Would you like a rubber stamp to go along with it? Do, do you do you have one? No, but I can run to my office and get one if you'd like. I don't think we have time for that. Boys, girls, you're both pretty. Okay, shall we get on with this? Okay, so we have a plan of action we're going to collect. Yeah, most of these ingredients are fairly commonplace. You're going to see your connection at the Museum of Weird History. Uh, Rowan, you're going to make contact with a couple of your shadier known fellows. And Miss Quirk, in a lovely and unexpected surprise, is uh, going to act as an intern to Miss uh, Perodalma here. Awake, Wagner! Yeah. What are you going to do? I think I'm going to go bowling. <laughs> He just he just stands up. He says, "Now, uh, if you guys need me, just remember, I'm only a punch away." And he uh he spins on his heel, and you see he's been wearing bowling shoes this entire time. God. Well, this is delightfully okay. weird. So we have a plan of action. Let us do some of this action. And, uh, you know, the usual thing, I hereby declare this meeting disbanded. And he, and he throws... S- uh, smoke oh, bomb. Went. Yeah. Smoke bomb. <laughs> Just kapoof. And this, this time he doesn't even... The, the plants again. No, this time he doesn't even bother hiding. He's just sitting there when the smoke glares. <laughs> go, hey, go away. Can I, go. Can, I, can I ask you why you do that every time you adjourn a meeting? I have an enormous smoke bomb budget, and if I don't use it up every year, they can they cut it in half the next time. Well, I mean, if you have too many smoke bombs that you just have to adjourn meetings with them, maybe the right thing to do would be to cut the budget. Warden Byron, what is what is the fourth rule of wizardry? Say it with me. Uh, There's don't. no such thing as <laughs> too many. Smoke, Smoke bombs. Bombs. Thank you, Rowan. See, See I thought the fourth, the fourth rule was, uh, don't mess with people's minds or. No, that's the fourth some- law. That's Ow. the fourth law. This is the fourth rule. They're very, very different. Tell me, Warden Byron, reach into your, uh, reach into your Westfield Carter issued trench coat. Reach into the left inside pocket right now. What do you find uh-huh. in there? A grip enough. of smoke bombs. Thanks. What? One metric grape of smoke bombs issued to each and every WC field agent. Excuse me, uh, uh, Pero Adama. Yeah, boss. What, uh, what's, uh, what, you, what you got up your sleeve there? And she just, um, she just does a little, a little flick of the wrist, and one individual smoke bomb just goes, woo, and lands on the table and goes, kapoo. <laughs> Why have I never known about these? Why have you never looked in that pocket? Uh, shut up. And then I smoke bomb and run out of the room. Fiona is looking down her own shirt and Peroa Dalai Lama's shirt, checking for smoke bombs. Peroa Dalma is not is not offended even a little bit, but there are uh, there are there are none down her shirt. But you do find. Uh, whoa! That is the best roll I have ever made running this thing. God. You- you find, let's see, if each plus is equal to four smoke bombs, as we all learned in childhood, yep. then uh, you you find 12 smoke bombs have mysteriously generated upon your person. I don't even have that much room in there for this, you, this amount you wouldn't of think. smoke bombs. This is incredible. You, yeah, it's amazing. Orion Bailey, once again, just looking at the ceiling. Just Yep. <laughs> and uh, and Desmond Yonwood uh, comes over and he says... Well, Warden Byron, you're you're welcome to use my facilities for anything I could possibly. I'd love I'd love to help you. Are you guys' speakeasies working okay? Uh, mine broke. Mine took an arrow. Okay, we can get you a new one of ours. Don't you worry. I invented those. Uh, I know. Someone stole mine. Someone I stole yours. When I was high. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Solomon, you still have a uh, ruined speakeasy. Oh, right. Uh, I thread it, uh, or rather, I just, like, toss it at his beard. It sticks. My my it beard ab- absorbs into it. It's... <laughs> yeah, it just it threads itself into the... Yeah, exactly. Wow, that was... <laughs> horrifying. 
<laughs> and what about you? What about you, Miss Miss Quirk? What? How's your speakeasy doing? I'm real proud of those. Um, no problems as far as I can tell. Cool, cool, cool. I'm trying to integrate new features, so if y'all think of any way that the speakeasies could be better, you let a brother know. A uh, mute feature. No, for, no, no, not no, possible. no, no. It's, it's, not, it's not possible. I tried. Could you make them arrow resistant, possibly? <laughs> he, t- he, he, he just opens the sleeve. He, he, like, pushes the sleeve of his lab coat all the way up, and you see that his arm is basically his notebook. And he just uh, takes out a little dry erase marker, and he's like, Make arrow resistant. And you see that he's actually spelled it resistant. God. (laughs) Thank you, Jackie, by the way. I can always get on you. All right, I'm going to head back down to the lab now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for leaving. And you guys are left with Pierogi Dalai Lama and Orion Bailey. All right, so meetings adjourned. Let's let's go deal with this, I guess. Rowan, take me to your oh, third so. eye contact. Party again. Also, Salvador is still there. <laughs> I what forgot. Well, yeah. What? What's that thing? Say. I heard Rowan take me and then. <laughs> take me to your third eye contact. Let's go. Alon Z. And with that, uh, you three. Uh, well, you two sidle out of the room, and uh, Peroa turns to you, and she says, Now, the only problem is what you're wearing. Admittedly, it's got ample smoke bomb storage, and that's always an admirable trait in a garment. But I think you're going to need something a little more procedural. And she uh, she whips out her whippy-dippy chain, and she goes, Swoodlefoosh! All around you. And it makes that sound effect. Just a man, a 27-year-old man, <laughs> sitting in his home, saying the word swoodlefoosh. Can I, can, I, can I ask for a request right now? You can make a request. Uh, can Jackie's, like, outfit change uh, be in a magical girl transformation oh, sequence? Oh, yes! Oh, naturally. That's, yes. yeah. Absolutely. Of course. She, she just, she becomes an outline filled with, uh, with lava lamp technicolor not graffiti confetti you know what graffiti too yeah and uh why not? yeah and when the when the light comes back down uh g- go ahead jackie you're wearing what does she mean by procedural it is the bitchingest lab coat it is so filled with pockets and it has got frills and all the other things that an enterprising young hipstress would want in a lab coat. Her, her, do, you, do you wear glasses? I don't remember. You're a hipster. Yeah, so she has uh, uh, not horn-rimmed um, tortoise, tortoise shell. Okay, but like her glasses, glasses, even her glasses have changed to look yep. more scientific than they did. How do you, you now have scientific than tortoise shell? Oh, I'll tell you, Jackie. Hey. <laughs> You're now wearing tortoise shell goggles. Nice. Oh. And they're shaped like beakers. Yes. Yep. Sure. Yep. Why not? Yep. All right. Looking good. <laughs> this worked out well. Okay. I also have so, a bow tie. Of course you do. That's fantastic. But I'm wearing a, a um, like a collarless dress. Nice. So, so just no you just collar. Wear- the bow tie. I just have a bow tie. You're just wearing it on your neck. Yeah. Like that kid from that season of MasterChef Junior that I wanted to stab. Not really. Maybe. Wow. Anyway. Anthony. You talking you talking about like the fucking serial killer? Oh my god. He no, was, no, 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 no. Kill someone. That let me let me let me t- let me break from fiction and and state once again that I worked on that season of MasterChef Junior and mark my words world Logan Gulef is going to kill someone. Logan, I hope you're listening to this. Get help. No, Casey, he's going to come after you now. Come and find me. I've been lying about living in Mesa, Arizona for almost three years. I'm actually in Michigan. Shit. Anyway, Uh, Dylan, cut all this. Okay, so... No, keep it! You can't tell me what to cut and what not to cut. I'll cut you! (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's apparently. So, um, Pierogi Dalai Lama takes your hand and leads you off towards the uh, Arcano Geography Lab. And uh, just leaves uh, Orion and um, and what's his what's his cuss uh, Salvador Salvador standing there. Um, you guys, uh, sorry, my my brain stopped for a second. Um, Rowan and Solomon, you guys exit the hotel. Uh, good old Jeff Josh gives you the what for. Uh, yeah, and um, Fiona and uh, Pierogi Dalai Lama, you guys head down to her labs, uh, which to get through, you have to go through a, uh, a series of botanical gardens and um, small greenhouses. And both of you, unbeknownst to the other party, see the same thing when you step outside the confines of the main WC building, uh, Solomon, before you and Rowan, uh, in a small, not like a park, but just like a little, a little plot of, of land right in front of the, the WC. I'm going to say like on their roundabout that allows for parking, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, like big hotels have, um, there and Jackie, you and Pierogi Dalai Lama in a uh, in a bed of flowers through one of the gardens through which you're passing, you are both startled to notice large, staring scarecrows watching directly where you step into their line of sight. Uh. On fire. What's that? I set them on fire. Um, okay, now you're a wind fae, so I'm fine with you doing magic, but how does she propose to set such a thing on fire? A lighter. <laughs> just just sneaks up and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, like, you, you... Like, staring at them the whole time with just, like, a, a look zipper. of abs- abject horror on my face, and I just Certainly. slowly hold up a Zippo lighter and Certainly. flick it on. <laughs> Certainly, you you hold the Zippo, um, which I imagine is emblazoned with the uh, logo of a band that is so indie it never actually existed. And, and you hold shaped like a cup of coffee. Nice. And you hold it up to the uh, ragged hem of the uh, rags that the scarecrow is wearing. Um, both of them, and if you were guys were together and saw both of them, you'd know that they were identical. Um, creepy hat, creepy burlap sack for a face tied with what looks like a noose. And as you approach, um, all three of you, and presumably Pierogi Dalai Lama as well, feel on the magical wavelength. Um, you guys know when you open your laptop and it goes, and it starts to wake up? you feel a very similar mechanical uh, sensation. And not in the air, but in your very minds, a song starts to play. Oh, good. Is it it Calliope music? Because I'm out if it is. It's it's not. It's not. It's not that bad. Is it Enya? It's not, it's, it's not Enya. Um, it does sound, uh, not unlike something you'd hear coming out of a music box. Um, very, very tinkly and fragile. And a voice begins to sing. Winter's chill and spring now gone, a memory fond, but not one you'll remember. Summer's heat once raging flame, lies now a cooling ember. The dying light, the growing moon, and autumn's parting kiss. The darkest hands, 
take yours to bring you into the season of mists. And that is where we're going to call it. Oh, God. That wasn't creepy or anything. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> What's the matter? I am gonna drive to Arizona and smack you. Just wait I mean, for six days. I'm gonna deserve it. I'm gonna deserve it, admittedly. So. I would like to uh I would like to give creepy song props to Dylan, who writes a million creepy poems for our other show, Dice and Virtue. And uh, also to Griffin McElroy, who started writing music for The Adventure Zone, which is real cool. So that's that, my guys. And uh, maybe we'll find out what that means next time on Semi-Auto Magic Inc. Dylan, cue the outro music! Thanks for listening, all our buddies. Oh. Bye. Bye! Music, outro music, I assume it's a snappy techno beat. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? It's re- It doesn't sound like that at all. <laughs> It 100% is I believe it hard enough to alter digital sound files <laughs>